0: So if you take some students in to solve some challenges that a company is having, or in our case, I mean, we are a government-run program, in the end of the day, we want to help elevate uh, the Denmark and the innovation in Denmark. So yes, I, uh, that's a very important part.
1: Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I'm your host and chief goddess of the PASS Foundation, Annalise Corbin. We know the current model for education is obsolete. It was designed to create fleets of assembly line workers, not the thinkers and problem solvers needed today. We've seen the innovations that are possible within education, and it's our goal to leave the box behind and reimagine what education can look like in your own backyard. Welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed. As always, we are super excited about the conversations that we get to have with amazing innovators in the world of education. And today we have a special treat because we're going all the way to Denmark, so to speak. And so joining us today is Alan Christensen and Josephine Strangard, who are going to talk with us um, about the Innovation Center, uh, Denmark and Silicon Valley. Um, uh, It's a really intriguing program. And so I'm very, very excited to have them both on to share the conversation with us. So Alan and Josephine, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you. And thank you for having us.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. Good to be here.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Just to give a little bit of context for our listeners um, and a little bit of background about who we have with us. So Alan Christensen is... Um, the Science and Innovation Attache at the Innovation Center Denmark Silicon Valley, which is a collaboration between the Danish Ministry of Higher Education and Foreign Affairs, um, who facilitates collaboration between Denmark and the US. And we'll get more details about that um, in a moment, I have no doubt. And joining Alan is Josephine um, Strangard, um, who works. I'm with Alan at the Innovation Center of Denmark as an innovation advisor and program manager for the International Bioinnovation Scholarship Program. So more about that as well. So I'm not sure which of you wants to start, but let's let's kind of get maybe a big overview. Um it looks like from Alan. What the heck is this whole Innovation Center Denmark Silicon Valley thing?
2: Yes. That's a great question. Uh, that is uh, that is an office that's an ascender that has been out here in Silicon Valley uh, since two thousand and six. So we have been here for a very long time. Uh, and we was originally started uh, back in two thousand and six because our government wanted to internationalize uh, Danish education, uh, Danish uh, science, uh, Danish innovation by tapping into some of the world's leading innovation hubs. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. why we started out in Silicon Valley. Today, we have uh, seven uh, innovation centers around the world. Uh, we also have a center in Boston. We have in Munich, in Germany, in Tel Aviv, in Israel, uh, in India, in uh, South Korea, and also in Shanghai and China. So we are in uh, all the major innovative uh, science and innovation uh, hubs around the world with an office, uh, Silicon Valley is the oldest and also the largest office. Uh, we are 14 people working uh, from Denmark uh, posted here uh, and working on all sorts of bridge building between science, education, uh, innovation. And we both work with uh, scholars and universities uh, and uh, colleges, but also with the uh, Danish companies uh, and mm-hmm. organizations.
1: Yeah, that is super, super interesting. And so, for our guests um, who are within our traditional K 12 space globally, however, you want to define that sort of uh, primary, secondary sort of education space, I want you to to remind you all to be really mindful as you're listening to Alan and Josephine talking about this program and just really sort of pulling out the threads that you hear that you can apply back into your own work, into your own classroom. So, even though we're talking about um, a post secondary program, more specifically a graduate program, one of the reasons I really wanted to have this conversation is because what they're really talking about is the intersection of innovation and entrepreneurship right and that is one of the things that we are working so adamantly in our earlier grades to really get folks prepared for the world of workforce. So my hope is that what you're going to hear today is going to give you a lot of information that you can actually pull down, learn from them, and apply into your own work as you're prepping your own students. So please keep that in mind today when you're wondering, why are we having this conversation on learning in box? That's exactly why. So Josephine, help us understand then. Um, So the Danish government has this need to bring innovation and partner in innovation. And actually, that's one of the things I think that a lot of educational entities really struggle with the partnership piece, right? It doesn't always feel natural for us in the education space to partner with our business and industry. We're better at it in the post-secondary than we certainly are as we move down. But the reality is the world of business and industry is is running at a pace that is really quite remarkable most of the time. And how do we tap into those partnership components to be able to allow us to do really innovative programming on behalf of our students with that in mind?
0: Right. Right. Yeah, I think this Sorry, would... it's kind of a big question. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's, it's totally okay, because this is something we, we work uh, a lot with. Uh, we constantly think about how we can think in the, the tri- triple helix uh, into our programs. And I know triple helix is more used uh, as a term in Europe, So it, but it's basically bringing all those uh, trees or academic, bringing together a government and uh, companies together uh, and ideally, we would love to do that every time we, we do a program because that's where innovation happens. So if you take some students in to solve some challenges that a company is having, or in our case, I mean, we are a government run program. In the end of the day, we want to help elevate uh, the Denmark and the innovation in Denmark. So, yes, I, uh, that's a very important part.
2: We do see, actually, I think we see a, a tendency uh, if we are talking about the, the private sector and the company, that uh, their appetite of collaborating is actually increasing because they are lacking talent, and they have talent, talent, talent. talent. Uh, so they know uh, that they need to tap into the educational system and they are also getting more and more interested in doing this earlier and earlier. So I think you could. All levels of the educational system uh, build uh, programs or initiatives uh, together with companies. Uh, our program is on the master's level, but I think it could easily be transferred also to the earlier educational uh, classes uh, and the, the master class uh, level.
1: Yeah, and we see absolutely the same thing, right? That, that there is a, a growing and increased, I think, almost daily appetite from our industry partners. Um, you know, how are we solving our own workforce or talent pipeline issues, right? And so everybody's talking about this and thinking about it. And it, it is honestly, it, it's going to take, you know, all elements along that sort of pathway, if you will, uh, to really be able to solve that. That issue. Um, I'm really curious about the program itself. So, this International Bioinnovation Scholarship Program, which that's a lot, it's a, a lot, it's a mouthful there, but it's it's really, really intriguing as I really dug into the materials that you sent over to try to understand what was happening here. So, can one of you kind of give us the overview of the, of the program and then we'll kind of get into the weeds? I know you, you sent over a case study as well, um, you know, to sort of illustrate how it works and why it's. Meaningful. So, give us a, a sense of the program itself. Let's start with that.
0: Sure. Yeah. So we run this program. I know it's a very long name. So just what, we can just uh, call it Bioinnovation uh, Program. Um, at least that's what we do in, in the daily. Um, but we run this program together with the uh, uh Foundation. And yeah, do you want to? No. No. No? no. Okay. <laughs> Um, It's a program where we uh, give students uh, in Denmark, in this case, it's master students, but I guess it could actually also be uh, students in lower grades um, for this conversation. But we give them the chance to learn the mindset of entrepreneurship and Silicon Valley by bringing them here to California for a five-month program where they do a research project in a company Um, they live, they learn, they are part of it, uh, 200%. Um, and next to that, we support them with all the logistics and give them a scholarship to support their financials. Um, and we run a program for them to also develop their own startup idea. So they really get to learn this entrepreneurship mindset. I, I think that go ahead, Alan. Yeah, well, go
2: ahead. That we are, of course, uh, paying a lot of attention to the educational part of this. Uh, so the 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 research project that we set up, the student with in the companies, of course, needs to be of a quality that allows the students to get all the credits and the points that they need f- to bring it back for the educational system uh, in Denmark. Uh, they come from several different universities, and each university. They have their own uh, kind of sets, sets of rules and requirements. But, but of course, we carefully set up these research projects so they can bring home credits, so their academic career is progressing uh, as it should.
1: Right, right. You know, one of the things that I'm really interested in with this particular component is the the mechanism, that that, that intersection between startup in the startup world, right? Because you know, and we've had this conversation on Learning Unbox numerous times about startup and this whole idea of sort of startup culture, because it is, it's it's unique, right? But it has, in my opinion, it has, you know, rampant translational opportunities, right? Because what happens in the world of startup, that sort of rapid prototyping and innovation and all the elements that kind of go to that can be applied in so many, many different ways. In part, if you survive it, right? Because it's really, really intense. Um, yeah, but I really love the fact that you, that element is sort of woven through it. And so, I guess one of my questions I'm curious about is the research project that these students come over and become part of. Is that part of their own startup experience, or is the research they're participating in really for the companies that you're placing them with? And and where or how does the pivot happen? Because ultimately, there's a startup component for the individual student too
0: right yeah so the project the research project they're doing are as part of the startup they are in so they already exist startup Uh, and they do this as part of their university degree so they have uh, a supervisor from their home university who guides them uh, to make it an actual research project yeah but most of these startups are are research-based right so they they spun out of uh, one of the largest larger universities here in the Bay Area that you use most of the startups are especially we're looking at bioinnovation and a lot of life science. So these are very uh, science and research based uh, innovators and and uh, entrepreneurs that we work with.
2: And you could also say when 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 we are matching the student to the startup in the beginning of the program. Uh, actually, the, the the companies or the startups that uh, that uh, uh, show interest in become a part of of our program, they they uh, they kind of uh, have an idea of uh, what research uh, do they need in the upcoming months and so the students actually apply. Say you want something in uh, computer science done in this in this area. I'm a computer scientist from Denmark. Uh, I would be a perfect fit uh, to take on. That ask uh, so you kind of have a a uh, a proposal from the company that uh, we would like students from Denmark come here and help us work on on this specific part of our our research
1: right so they, the students then get the experience of being in a startup. They get the experience of having, quite frankly, you know, the pressure, the joy, the experience, all, all of it mixed into one, right, of being part of that culture. But then they're also actually conducting meaningful research that helps that startup move forward. Exactly. And then at some point then, though, most of the students or all of the students, this might be my own disconnect here, are interested in startup of their, their own, correct? They have their own ideas that they are looking to actually incubate and start, correct? Or is that my misunderstanding?
0: Yes, I mean, we, we choose students or students who apply to the program if you very interested in entrepreneurship and would love to actually start their own company uh, or be part of a startup in the future. What we also see, to actually my surprise, is that a lot of them don't have any experience in startup. They haven't even taken like an entrepreneurship course at the university, even though they had this interest, uh, because it doesn't always match with uh, all, what, whatever degree uh, they're, they're studying. Yeah.
2: And we do have, from a program view, of course, we would love if some of our students, uh, after being here in six months, go back home in Denmark and start up maybe their own company. But it's it's not a it's not a, the only goal that we have. We actually we actually much more into uh, trying to. Uh, uh, put in some mindship, some entrepreneurial mindship uh, in the students uh, so that they go back home and they could be entrepreneurial in many ways. It doesn't have to be uh, starting their own company, but they could also go into an existing large company and be uh, an innovator type there uh, or they could maybe go into the public sector, say, well, let's bring in the entrepreneurial mindset into this uh, public sector organization. We need to do some change. So, you could say change believers or that's what we really are hoping to to send back to to Denmark after a stay here in Silicon Valley yeah
1: that's that's fabulous and we need that all over the world, so not just Denmark. We need that everywhere. So, but I am really curious, though. So the program has been running for for a number of years, and if you sort of step back and think about, and, and it's grown. So now it's not just in Silicon Valley, as you pointed out, you know, right at the beginning. It's it's all over the world. So I'm I'm super curious then, as as these students come back to Denmark and now you've got enough years in with this program their their post program you know what do you what do you see from this group of participants sort of from a you know um, a comprehensive sort of standpoint I guess if you take take the the collective body of students over the years that have participated they've come back. Mm-hmm. Where do you think their collective impact is?
2: I think one of the most, we we actually evaluated uh, and um, I think that one of the most uh, important things is that uh, they come home and say and report that we have moved them through this program on their self-efficacy. That is their own self-belief in themselves that they can actually move the needle. So, I mean, that's that's probably the most important outcome of the program that we can actually uh, do that uh, by having them here for six months. They, they come really home and think that uh, they have seen innovation. They have been in Silicon Valley. They know that uh, it's possible to ask big questions uh, and uh, that you can go for your dreams. Uh, so actually we return uh, students that have a great self-belief that they could do something with their career uh, and move the needle. And that's probably the most important one. We do see, uh, you want to supplement this?
0: Sure. Well, because we, were, we made this impact assessment where we, we made a survey with all of the students who've been through the program and um as Alan said like it's actually really difficult to measure impact uh, in entrepreneurship and we want to give them a mindset we want to give them a community we want to give them the network they can use for their future career um it's really difficult to measure um but we managed to find uh some yeah, prior, metrics, yeah. Some metrics and some good way to uh to measure this and uh, we were just really happy to see. Um, see the numbers I I took just a few of them here So 90% of the students uh, agreed that this brought them closer to to future uh, like the uh, interesting projects and um, and people who would be able to help them in the next uh, innovation projects Um, or 70% of them agree like we're really happy that this would bring them even closer to how they could bring research from, the, from lab to market, which is one of our main goals. Yeah.
2: And then, of course, if we look at the, the more hard metrics, uh, uh, two of our prior alumni uh, have started up their own companies. Uh, three went into a PhD research project, uh, a number went into big corporations, A lot of them actually extended. I mean, they are here for a six month period, but a lot of them signed up with the startup over here saying, well, six months is not enough. We want to engage further with you. So they actually stayed here beyond the program because the company liked them and they liked the company. Uh, Several of them uh, did their master thesis together with the company. So a lot of continuation uh, coming out of the program. So, yeah. So that's some, some of the outcomes that we have seen so far.
1: Yeah, I I love that you're creating these big thinkers and problem solvers, but the other thing that I really love about this is the the mechanism by which they're being, you know, embedded in these startup endeavors you know, that is the epitome of problem-based learning, right? And so, you know, they're really tackling big, hairy, audacious questions, figuring out how to break them down into doable, actionable components, right? And then doing other things ultimately with that. that that's powerful.
2: It's really powerful. And, 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 and sometimes, uh, you, you know, uh, they get to see the whole thing. I, I mean, even though they come here to, to work on a research assignment, Suddenly, they are also in a investor meeting. Uh, suddenly, uh, they are thrown into a new lab situation that they didn't uh, foresee uh, before leaving Denmark. We had a student last year. She came here, and the company basically said, well, we are no one at this company that knows anything about the biological research that we want you to do. So basically, start up your own lab. Uh, get the Going. I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't in, even, she was just on her first year of, of, of the master, and uh, so, I mean, that was a big task, but she just grew with it, and uh, she took on the responsibility, and uh, that, that was really great.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Is that Stephanie? Uh, no, actually not. No. That's uh, different students. They all have great uh, yeah. great stories. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, just yesterday, I talked with a, a student. they only been here for, for well, for, since February 1st, the, the group, only been here for 20 days and she, she's still uh, getting into it. But she basically said, I'm so surprised we only five people in this company. I'm like the sixth person here and I'm the only one uh, from a biotech world. Everyone else is chemist and like, I've been in this company for 20 days. Can it really be true, Josephine, that <laughs> I'm supposed to lead all the, the bio stuff? It's like, yeah, that's your job now. Five months, and she will learn so much for this. She might be a little shocked at the moment. That's exactly the same as as Ellen was pointing out. But that's that's really when you when you learn, yeah.
1: No, it absolutely is when you learn, and I think that lots of folks don't have an understanding. Typically, startups not very big, right? It is these small, really innovative, scrappy folks, right, who are coming together, you know, bringing every resource that they can leverage, and they can they can cobble together to say we can solve this problem. Um, and uh, so I love that a- aspect of it. So, but I do want to be able to share, you know, one of these sort of best case um, studies or, 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 stories with our listeners. And I know that you sent over when I was asking about Stephanie. So can somebody tell us about, you know, the Stephanie success story and why this particular, um, example is, uh, you know, is illustrative of the bigger, broader impact that your program is having?
0: Yes, for sure. So Stephanie is a, uh, is a, Great case uh, or great alumius. Uh, so she was on our first uh, cohort. That's uh, actually not that long ago. It was only in the spring of uh, 2019. That's when we had our first uh, cohort over. And she she always loved entrepreneurship. She always wanted to go entrepreneurship, but hadn't really found um, her way into that path. So when she learned about this program and international part. She just uh, jumped right at it and uh, came over here to do a project. Um, long story short, she ended up in a company uh, who, who worked on alternative uh, protein. They called uh, Wild Earth, um, and they do alternative protein to dog food. They're pretty cool. Uh, but she ended up in this space. she She's never been in the alternative protein world before, but so got so... Inspired um, that when she returned uh, back to Denmark, she decided to write her master thesis uh, on alternative proteins, um, and actually started developing this idea that she's she's kind of um, I mean these things happen so dynamically, right? But in the conversations in the company on with this previous founder, she's kind of had this idea: Hmm, why can't we make some alternative? Protein in a different space. So, in the um, um, uh, uh, help me here, uh, what is it called oh, um,
2: gelatin? Yeah, I'm just yeah. yeah. The word. You use losing uh, you use <laughs> uh, you harvest gelatin from from animals today. Uh, but uh, she wanted to do it artificial or through biotech methods, so you could spare the animals. So, so she wanted to do uh, use the techniques to uh, to uh, to develop. Uh, this gelatin product. And uh, basically, she she actually started out trying to find funding for starting up a company in this space in Denmark. She wasn't that successful. She got some soft funding, but not really much. And then she uh, decided to uh, return to the U.S., utilize the network that she got over here from the Bioinnovation Program, uh, contacted some of the people that she had met, and suddenly there was uh, an investor. Uh, that uh, decided to invest in her company, and now I think she has been raising uh, three million US dollars for her startup company, and she started the company in the US, uh, and she's now a CEO living here. Uh, of course, we're a little bit sad that she didn't start that company in Denmark, but anyway, uh, for for her career, it's definitely a success story, and uh, she was uh, she was just um, accepted into the Forbes. Thirty list uh, for the most talented young scientists uh, last year. So she's a she's a great student that uh, just did it all right and exactly what we are hoping for with this program. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I am super curious too. You know, as as some of these students are going to not necessarily return to Denmark, start their companies in Denmark, right? So how how does how does how does Denmark feel about that long term? Right? Does the, what are the implications of that? Because that's always the case, right? You know, whether it be you know that we send students off to have these amazing experiences, or you know, in the in the world of education, we talk lots of times about you know getting teachers out of classrooms and sending them into industry to have these incredible experiences, and and there's always this hesitancy from an administrative side, whether it's a government or a school district or whatever a university that's like if if I provide this This incredible personal and professional development opportunity, I'm going to lose the folks that I'm making this initial investment in. And so, because I know folks are wondering about that, how how do you think about this? Is this this a problem to solve or is this just a component of the scenario that we should just all embrace because it makes us all collectively better?
2: It's a great question and it's definitely also a political issue uh, because I think, all countries around the world, uh, they are uh, they think well. Now we invest in our educational system. We invest in each uh, student quite a lot of money. In Denmark, we have a to a large degree public funded uh, system. So from the governmental side, uh, we are investing heavily in each and every student. And then, of course, it's a problem, or it could be seen as a problem if they end up uh, abroad. I I do think that, uh, and I I know this discussion is going on in all sorts of areas. Now we are talking bio-innovation. We are also in our office working with uh, uh, quantum technologies. And that's just an upcoming new technology area where the competition about uh, talent is uh, even bigger. Um, So lack of engineers, uh, lack of um, health professionals for healthcare sector. So in many different technologies and sectors, we are just lacking—we uh, are lacking labor force uh, and ed- highly educated labor force. So, what we are actually hoping for is uh, kind of uh, say that in the long term, we we hope that Stephanie will return to Denmark, uh, and it would just be a joy if she spent 10 years or 15 years in the U.S. We do hope that by collaborating uh, internationally. Sometimes the students will choose to uh, settle down in Denmark. Sometimes they will choose to settle down in the U.S. And uh, we just hope that over the years it would just kind of leverage out and uh, become quite fair for, for both parties. I think yeah. we, should, we should stand together just investing more in these young people uh, and then the cake would kind yeah. of be larger for, for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. And I completely agree with that. So I I I love that response. So one of the things that I always like to be super mindful of is just sort of recognizing where your- the folks that are listening, they come to us from all over the world from sort of different perspectives and experiences. And I'm really curious because so many educators that I talk to, whether they be in that K-12 or the post-secondary space, there's a lot of conversation around innovation, the need for innovation. And honestly, certainly, at least in in the in the US, we're seeing it, but I'm seeing it in other parts of the world as well, a growing appetite for embedding entrepreneurship education or entrepreneurial mindset mm. into day-to-day educational experiences. Yeah. So, you know, I'm 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 wondering, you know, as folks are sitting back listening to this, you know, what sort of recommendations or advice would the two of you have for folks that are trying to figure out how to bring more of this thinking into their day-to-day Practice in their classrooms, in their courses, sort of in their structure.
2: You could say the way that we are working, you mentioned uh, problem based learning. I mean, learning by practice, learning by doing, uh, and not so much uh, textbook learning because, I mean, of course, you can find textbooks about entrepreneurship, but uh, uh, case competitions, students working with their own startup idea, trying to develop it. Um, that's, that's really the best way of, of learning, that's our uh, experience and, and in, in that sense we are also leaning very much to, now we are, we are living right next to UC Berkeley. They have their Tartier uh, Institute uh, up at UC Berkeley and they have also developed quite intensely on these learning methods. Uh, and we are leaning very, very much towards them. And we did actually uh, conduct a program uh, a couple of years ago uh, together with uh, UC Berkeley uh, under the headline Teach the Teacher. So we actually brought over a couple of the, the great folks from, uh, from, uh, from uh, the uh, Sutachi Institute to Denmark. And they did a masterclass, uh, two, actually two masterclasses in uh, different parts of our country. And in each masterclass, we had at least 120 uh, Danish teachers that were all teaching some kind of entrepreneurship. Uh, so they actually learned from uh, from the from the UC Berkeley folks. Uh, and uh, we, we we did a little calculation. We we hit uh, 200 250 Danish teachers, and they were in total uh, responsible for teaching 6,000 students uh, entrepreneurship. So. By bringing them over and doing a masterclass in Denmark, we could actually take some of their learning and some of their experience in this field uh, to Denmark. And that was, a, that was a great initiative.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to add that I think it's, it's never too early to start uh, learning entrepreneurship and having this uh, mindset. I come from a design innovation background, and I don't think you can be too young to go through these processes, to learn how to... Think in problem solving to learn how to brainstorm and their brainstorm ideas might be even crazier when uh, it's kids because they don't have the same uh, restraint Uh, so it can actually be a great um, add-on to uh, but even learning that mindset early on it's just extremely valuable Yeah,
1: I absolutely 100% agree with that. Um, I tell people all the time, I would put our kids in our programs against any R&D team in the world and not because they're going to come up with the best, most doable idea, but they're going to come up with some of the most creative creative ways to think about the problem right and they're and they because they don't have the same constraints they don't understand that the idea they're putting forward the physics just don't work right they don't get that and yet they're not constrained by all the things that you know life teaches us along the way so they're super creative so thank you so much for actually putting that out there because i agree with you a hundred percent kids are incredible if we just sort of get out of their way yeah exactly Yeah, 100%. Well, you know, I want to thank both of you for taking time out of your day to join us, uh, to have this conversation and sharing the program and the work that you've been doing over the last several years um, with all of our listeners. Um, Really, really cool program. And I I hope that folks will reach out and ask you um, for for more information and be part of the conversation with you. So thank you for taking time out of your day.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for
0: having us on. It's and very interesting podcast. I've been listening to some of them. So uh, thank you. Keep doing what you do. Ah, excellent. Well,
1: we love to hear that too. So excellent. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah. Thank you.
1: Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.